Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. All right, everybody. Hour number two of your Ben Jarofsky show for Wednesday, December 18th. is just moments away. We got our guests ready. They're wearing the same color shirt. Pretty cool. I saw that. I would have worn mine. I got one like that. The Burgundy Boys are here. The Burgundy Boys. <laughs> Whoa. You've been drinking that uh, Sun Times Punch? <laughs> no, I've been smoking that uh, pot from Shuba, though. <laughs> oh, Holy Shuba. Oh, he's got the chronic. All right. Hour number two <laughs> of your Ben Jarofsky show for Wednesday, December 18th. It's just moments away. I didn't get weed from Tom Shuba, guys. That was a joke. But, well, but there should be a, a, a um, sample for the media. I think. <laughs> yeah, they do that for review right. copies. Yeah. Right. Taste of Chicago used to do that. Exactly. Yeah, right. the, exactly. Know, right. The pizza here. All right, hour number two is moments away, but before we get into that, we need to thank the following unions for jumping on board and sponsoring this program. First up, it's the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers Local 9, the International Union of Operating Engineers Local 150 sponsor this program, and the International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers Local 126 in District 8. A giant shout out to those unions for jumping jumping on board and sponsoring this program. And, of course, today's Ben Jarofsky Show was brought to you by our good friends at the Chicago Federation of Labor. I'm going to break the fourth wall here a little bit. Ben, we didn't talk during the break. I have an update. Oh, okay. (laughs) Hey, you got an update? Yeah, actually, I do. All right, the Ben Jarofsky Show, hour number two. Let's go. Wednesday, December 18th, and live from the Chicago Sun-Times, Chicago Reader Studio on Racine Avenue, this is the Ben Jarofsky Show. In this hour of the program, we still got Monroe Anderson in studio, and it's the return of our resident Bernie bro, one of like 50, we got a lot of them. Jacobin Magazine writer Micah Utrecht. And now your host. Oh, he'll be a Bernie bro by the end of this program. <laughs> Chicago Reader columnist Ben Jarofsky. Uh, yes, indeed. Micah Utrecht uh, wrote not, is not only a Bernie bro, he wrote a book about Bernie. We're going to get into that a little bit, uh, talk a little bit about his book, and then uh, take the deep dive on impeachment and Bernie and Pete. Uh, Buttigieg, uh, that uh, Dennis's favorite candidate for. Uh, How'd pr- you know? <laughs> I was keeping that to myself. Uh, read my diary <laughs> uh, and all the other issues of the day maybe ask uh, Micah for his thoughts on uh, the, the reefer debate the great reefer debate we've been having uh, but before we do that what is the update young man alright we have an update uh, with the new year comes a boatload of new laws here in the state of Illinois and the Chicago Tribune recently wrote about this new law now we all know about the Illinois gambling expansion and the new video gaming and betting laws but also coming to Illinois in 2020, legal sports betting and gambling from the convenience of your smartphone. <laughs> For, oh, it's legal, I guess, because I know some guys who will 
remain uh, anonymous. All right, there you go. Who are right now? Hey Ben, you want to bet on the second half Don't of the Clippers? Don't throw your friends under the bus. <laughs> we got the over the under. Uh, yeah, smartphones will allow people to shop around for the most uh, advantageous betting lines, make wagers as they fancy strikes, even in the middle of a game, and enjoy the stimulation of gambling without having to leave their couches or put on pants. Wait, tell me, what are you reading? The stimulation of gambling. Uh, it's not for me. It's from the Chicago Tribune. Oh, the stimulation of gambling. Wow. It's like if they wrote, they can enjoy the stimulation of marijuana. I don't think they ever write that thing. You know what I'm saying? And this is concerning some experts saying that this can lead to addiction. Gamblers will be oh, able to go. download okay. apps that allow them to bet anywhere within state limits. The Illinois Gaming Board is supposed to finalize license application rules by this week. Spokesman Gene O'Shea said the agency is, quote, working to ensure that sports wagering will go live in 2020. Whenever it happens, the experience of other states suggests that phone apps will swiftly become the dominant method of sports betting. So there you go. What do you know? In the new year, along with marijuana becoming legal in Illinois, apparently crack will be legal. Yeah, no, I got to tell you, folks, and I've said this and that we more and more we are are financing government by uh, taxing our vices. Uh, I have very mixed feelings about this. There's a libertarian in me that just doesn't think it's a good idea to have prohibitions. So, you know, I'm pretty much let it go. I'm a, I, I have got strong libertarian streaks in me. Uh, on the other hand, as a reformed gambler, I realize uh, gambling is no joke. Right. And uh, we treat it like it's like this ha 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 funny thing but i mean it's a serious i think it's far more destructive to people for it than marijuana and yet for years and years marijuana was the one that was illegal and they were arresting people for doing and gambling uh, got sort of a pass so i think we're kidding ourselves if you think that there's not going to be a human consequence uh for the promotion of gambling it's not just legalizing it but promoting it as as we do and i could tell you this mike amonro already people are betting on sports games over their phones i've seen it happen uh, yeah. and uh there's a lot of money that gets lost like that on a whim and you know well it's a good thing that um they're gonna start paying these college kids to play sports some of in basketball and football because mm. uh that would be a really easy way. What should, what should be introduced, legalized gambling to it for them to figure out when maybe they should miss a shot or, or miss a tackle or something. Well, that's been known to happen, right. uh, you know, trying to fix games and right. stuff like that. Uh, but by the way, that, that bill, we, uh, we had Chris Welch on talking about that uh, a bill. Uh, I think it got stalled. They're not in any rush to uh, pay uh, oh, they didn't see that way. Yeah, they're not in any rush to do that. It's, it's a rich, it's a rich thing. Yeah, you have to understand. And we want to give a quick shout out to our friends over at WTTW Chicago. They just released their 20 new Illinois laws in Illinois, and starting tomorrow. 20 new Illinois laws in Illinois, I said. And starting tomorrow on the Ben Jarofsky Show and all through the holidays, we will be unpacking and discussing these new 20 laws one by one, and we're going to hear what Biddy J has to say about them. It's the Ben Jarofsky Show's and WTTW's 20 Laws of 2020. This is uh, pre-show prep on the Ben Jarofsky Show. The first time I've heard this. Yeah, I just came up with it like five minutes ago. I'm, I'm all down for it, man. All right, good. See, Micah, this is the amount of preparation that Dennis and I throw 
into this show. I just heard about this for the first Consummate time. Consummate professionals. Uh, so uh, before we uh, uh, take the deep dive into Bernie and impeachment and the Donald John Trump and to uh, uh, Pete, uh, Mayor Pete and all the other political issues of the day, uh, Mike, uh, give folks an update on your book. Uh, is it completed? Is it? Uh, can you buy it for Christmas? What's the deal? The book is being typeset as we speak. It's finished, and the publisher is getting it ready for the hard copies that are coming in early April. So you can't pre-order. You can pre-order it on Amazon, but you can't pre-order it from the publisher or anything. But it should be around in early April, and hopefully Ben will have me back to give you the update when it's in my hands and in Ben's hands. Absolutely. And the name of the book. Bigger than Bernie, how we go from the Democrat, how I should know that I should have this, you know, memorized probably. Bigger than Bernie, how we go from the Sanders campaign to Democratic Socialism. I'll edit that out. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, yeah, uh, he'll edit it out for the podcast. Uh, and most people listen to the podcast, uh, but we have some very faithful uh, viewers who are now trying to get it. So one more time, just give it the complete name so people can get it. Bigger than Bernie, how we go from the Sanders campaign to democratic socialism. I wrote it with uh, my co-author, Megan Day, who's a staff writer at Jackman Magazine, where I am the managing editor. Very good. All right. Uh, and before uh, we, we take the, the Bernie dive, uh, I've been promoting your view on impeachment. Uh, and so why don't you summarize uh, your attitude about uh, the impeachment of President Trump? I think that impeachment is a distraction from the main tasks for the Democrats and for the left wing in general of American politics right now. I'm not saying, of course, that Donald Trump doesn't deserve to be impeached. He deserves a lot worse than impeachment, probably. But I think that impeachment is a distraction from the Democratic Party putting forward a positive agenda that can actually move people to decide to vote for them and get behind something bigger and bolder. I think that ever since 2016, if not longer, there's been this kind of, you know, when, when Trump won in 2016, for example, the, the idea that many Democrats put forward was this was not a legitimate victory. Uh, it was the result of collusion from the Russians or whatever, uh, which, of course, that collusion happened, that the interference happened. But it was a way to avoid doing any kind of soul searching about how the Democrats screwed themselves in that election and how going with a campaign who was a centrist and seen as part of the corrupt establishment uh, helped lead to the result of, of Trump. And similarly now, I think the, the so much of the Democratic Party is putting all its chips in on impeachment as a kind of one weird trick to deal with this guy who is admittedly, of course, the most corrupt president ever, the most bumbling, buffoonish, you know, openly reactionary president we've had and certainly in a very long time. No, no denying that from me. Uh, but uh, it's, it's a one weird trick style solution uh, to winning the election in 2020 by trying to throw, uh, you know, as many allegations of corruption against him as possible, rather than saying, here is what the Democratic Party stands for. We're for Medicare for all. We're for free college for all. We're for all these things that we know that are very popular uh, that uh, people like Bernie Sanders are running on right now. So, um, you know, he could be impeached or whatever, but I just think that uh, doing that is is too it's putting all the chips in in on something uh that that is not what is actually needed to win in 2020 and do politics in a different way to defeat trump and to defeat trumpism like 
beyond Trump himself, whatever other guy you know emerges uh, in the future who will take up that kind of reactionary, racist, anti-immigrant, etc. kind of politics. We need to be building something positive rather than uh, going all in on impeachment. All right. So before I ask uh, Monroe to weigh in for, with his reaction, I, I need to clarify something. So are you saying that uh, if you were uh, Congressman Micah, you would vote against impeachment? Uh, if, or, or would you be urging re- the Democrats not to impeach? Are you saying that you would be against this whole process? I would probably vote for impeachment, but I certainly wouldn't be doing daily press conferences talking about how we're, you know, giving the blow by blows on uh, impeachment and and being a sort of impeachment cheerleader i would be focusing on the again the positive agenda that i would want to put forward that i think is what would actually win over voters for 2020 things like medicare for all and free college and and all the rest of that progressive agenda uh, rather than uh thinking that we can impeach our way into a victory in 2020. monroe your response okay i'm gonna go way back to the vietnam war Ho Chi Minh uh, approached the war by saying that he could fight and and sit at the table to have peace talks at the same time. Mm-hmm. It was very effective because we they, we uh, American soldiers were dying and being put on TV, and he was at the uh, sitting at the peace table. They, they argued over the shape of the table, et cetera, et cetera, mm-hmm. but. You don't you, you don't have to do either or. In fact, it's more effective if you're doing both. So what I I believe is that we definitely need the impeachment. For one reason is that Trump is going to cheat. He's been cheating. And he's going to continue cheating. And so if you don't impeach him, then he'll just consider it a, a means he's got away he got away with something and that it works and then he'll do it again mm-hmm. uh, also in having him impeached he has to run on that and there are other things that are they're also working on other investigations so that is not a good thing for him to campaign on to win on on the other hand I agree that that um, the Democrats need to be talking about all the good things they're trying to do, and the 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 progressive um, positions they need to take. So that's good. Now um, I know Micah's a good man, and he's an honorable man, but um, I have to wonder if he doesn't like the impeachment and the hearings that'll be going on because Bernie is a senator. And so instead of being out in the field, he'll be sitting there (laughs) quiet, listening to the impeachment hearings. Well, I'm pretty sure Bernie is pro-impeachment. He said as much. I think he tweeted today, you know, yeah. Trump is the most corrupt president we've ever had. No, I don't. I actually had not even thought about that. And in fact, I, it may be irresponsible of me as a managing editor of a magazine, but I, I, don't, even, I don't even know what's going on with the impeachment stuff. Because every time I try to get a handle on what's happening with it, I get so bored that I, you know, I exit the article midway. I give up on the podcast midway. I'm like, the stuff that is being talked about in the impeachment hearings to me is just so it's like a snooze fest. I'm not, I'm not, it's not compelling to me. It's not a cut and dry. I mean, it, it, 
you know, in broad strokes, it's cut and dry. Like, Trump is corrupt. But uh, when I when I go into the details of what's happening, I'm just like, like I can't continue <laughs> trying to figure out what's going on. And I think that probably a lot of the American people have that same sense in, in responding to it. So, no, I mean, Bernie seems to be, I mean, he takes the the same uh, stance towards it that people like, I think, uh, you know, Rashida Tlaib of Michigan take, which is very pro-impeachment, but also pro-doing other stuff, as you as you mentioned, putting forward that positive agenda. Well, the, 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 I, th- I know the particular point he was making is that uh, if there is uh, an impeachment a trial in the Senate, Bernie as a senator will be obligated, as, as Elizabeth Warren, will be obligated to spend uh, his time uh, at, at that hearing. And uh, Mayor Pete will be free, the Mayor Pete's of the world, and, and, and Joe Biden yeah. will be free to exactly. campaign. So that's uh, the point uh, that Monroe was making. I, that would be great, by the way. I would love to see Joe Biden more on the campaign. <laughs> I feel like he's hiding from us right now. We don't get to hear from him enough. Every time he opens his mouth, he says something that makes him look like an idiot. Uh, <laughs> I actually, uh, we'll get into my my uh, bizarre attitude toward uh, Joe Biden's, the things that come out of his mouth. I think they inha- help his campaign uh, with the American uh, public. But... Um, I'll explain that later. But here's here, here's my response. I've been hearing this. I've been having a, a version of this debate uh, with lefties, uh, my beloved lefties, since 2016. And it is this. Many lefties view the whole discussion about Russian interference uh, in the, uh, Democ- in the uh, election of 2016 as a distraction. And as you pointed out, Micah, uh, that the problem, there was a problem that the Democrats had. They had a very flawed candidate and they had a very centrist agenda uh, that they try to shift left uh, to win over some Bernie supporters uh, after the the convention. And, And on top of that, they made a huge strategic blunder in not uh, campaigning heavily in the three important states of Wisconsin, Michigan, uh, and Pennsylvania. So that's that's sort of the the, the reaction of uh, uh, Democrats of the leftist persuasion, and they just think it's a distraction to talk about the Russian influence. And I cannot help but point out, and I will continually point out that the Russian interference in the Democratic election of 2016 is part of the reason why, even now, we have this split, this divide, because what the Russians did very successfully is they hacked into those Democratic computers, released those emails that the Democrats uh, were sending about Bernie, showing that the process was rigged against Bernie. And so at the very time, Democrats were trying to come together for the good of the party to to defeat Donald John Trump. They were at each other's throats. Even they're yeah, protesting. Even, right. Debbie Wasserman Schultz right. booing candidates, booing speakers of the Democratic convention. And then wait, there was one more dump. Wait, when people have forgotten all that in October, oh, you forgot that? Let's go get some Podesta emails and dump them. So. And more, okay, and, and another factor, which I think is even greater than that. Yeah. Is um, the Russians turned the black voter off. And Hillary did nothing, nor Bernie, to actually reach them. So uh, 
blacks in Milwaukee didn't show up. Blacks what? in Detroit didn't show it, it, up. I can just blacks, blacks in Chicago, in Philadelphia. Yeah. So you didn't. So the the the, the most reliable traditional vote that the Democrats had uh, was not in. Well, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna uh, take Micah's position on this. I believe that was as much a result of Democratic policies. And I this is something Monroe. I I've been thinking about that. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this one, both of you. Who was it that said this to me? I just, it was, um, I can't remember who it was. I'm stealing someone's idea and I apologize. She can't remember who said this to me. But in some ways, like Hillary Clinton, Kamala Harris, Cory Booker, they've all paid the price for Barack Obama's presidency. And there was so much hope invested in Barack Obama back in 2008 when he was elected. And there was so much relatively delivered for the most loyal part of the Democratic Party that many black voters' response was, what's the point? They sell us out as soon as they get elected. They don't push hard for stuff that help our communities. It's like the debate in the city council over reefer, you know? Yeah, and I, I think that's uh, who was it? I'm, a I, stretch. It, I, it's I, a stretch? Yeah, it may have been something that Sergio said. <laughs> it could have been Sergio. <laughs> like something right. Sergio it was Sergio. Right. Exactly, right. Sergio <laughs> Mims said right. that. Exactly, right. Okay, I, it was Sergio. Right. But so I, I think that's uh, totally uh, legitimate, yeah. though. I think that you're, you're, Sergio. You're, you're correct that, uh, that certainly the, the dominant... Uh, strain, the, the people who have been part of the Democratic establishment over the last several decades have not delivered on certainly substantive change for working class people, including the multiracial working class in the United States. I mean, the Democratic Party has embraced neoliberalism, has embraced austerity. Under Clinton was embracing mass incarceration policies. Uh, there's, no, there's no delivery, and I think that is why the, the, I, mean, I remember the, the articles about black voters in Milwaukee and the New York Times and, uh, and other places about folks just not being excited about voting for the candidate. I mean, I, th I think they're, they're not. Uh, I, I wish they had voted for Hillary Clinton so that we wouldn't have President Trump right now. But I, they're not wrong to be disillusioned with a party that has not substantively, substantively delivered, including Barack Obama, who did not su deliver substantive change. You know, no one would deny the importance of electing the first black president, of course. But in terms of actually alleviating racial inequality, uh, segregation, economic inequality, all of it, no delivery on the many of the main questions of his presidency. And I think that, I, you know, Sergio always comes up with cockeyed ideas. Exactly. So okay. Let me, okay, let me point something out. Yeah. The reason Biden is still at the top of the heap is because of the black vote. That is correct. And the reason Biden has the black vote is because he was Obama's vice president. That is also correct. So I think that theory is cuckoo. Uh, it has nothing to, you know, it, it, it had nothing to do. It has nothing to do with what Obama delivered or did not deliver. Black people love Obama and Michelle 
right now. A lot of them do. You're yes. absolutely correct. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and, but, and but no, you do have your Sergios who are just contrarian, uh, but, trying to figure out the next weird thing to think it, up. It was Sergio, and he'll be on the show next week, and I'll, he'll be defending himself. Uh, but Micah, please address what I was saying, and that is the fact that it was a very effective tactic and strategy uh, for the uh, uh, the Russian hackers to un- uh, reveal those emails. Uh, and promote divisions that have not uh, healed since. Uh, And I think it's like, I think Democrats are kidding themselves and fooling themselves uh, to think that they can win an election purely on ideas when there's all kinds of wheeling and dealing and cheating that goes on in an election. We all know it from Chicago. No, no lefty in the city of Chicago would, would react to a campaign against the machine or the incumbent by saying, hey, you know, well, what the heck, they got the advantage. I'm just going to go out and, you know, talk about my great ideas for reforming property taxes. They're going to be talking about the machine and they're going to be talking about the the signs that got, got torn down and they're going to talk about whatever little cheating stuff that Democrats in Chicago do to defeat. Isn't it the same principle at play in a national election when you're up against Republicans who are every bit as dishonest and deceitful as Chicago Democrats? Well, so the the question is what exactly like should shouldn't they shouldn't we talk about what the Russians did shouldn't we talk about the 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 skullduggery that was happening in 2016? Absolutely, investigate it and punish Republicans from doing it uh, from having done it and try to keep them from sure. doing it again. I mean, sure, but you know, I think I don't think that I mean what what was revealed in the revelations in 2016? Nothing that people didn't already think you know on broad strokes about the Democratic Party. There wasn't some completely new narrative that was foisted upon them by these revelations. People already had the sense that Hillary Clinton was this corrupt establishment candidate. So I don't think it revealed anything new for them. And I think that you know even the I would I would counsel you know if if any of them came to ask me for advice, any of those kind of left. Chicago reformers to not talk about stealing signs or whatever, just nonsense, but to actually put forward a different vision of what a Chicago would look like. That was what six of them did in the last city council election and won as, as Democratic Socialists as part of a broader range of uh, progressive aldermen who won in the last municipal election, and, and it paid off for them. So uh, that's the take tack that I would suggest taking, uh, not this sort of stuff that, that average people can't even parse. They're just like, oh, yeah, I, I guess R- Russians did something bad, but a, lo- a, a much stronger narrative in their head is like corrupt establishment candidate for president I, I want something new and that's why they went for uh, a Donald Trump and I don't want to like replay too many of these debates from 2016 and in 2020 because I think that uh, that will not it's just not political I mean we we have a fun time sort of you know over beers or whatever rehashing some of that stuff but I don't think that's where most of the American people are at at this point they're forward-looking they want something positive and like if if, they're, if we're going to convince them to beat Trump it's not going to be because well he benefited from this thing that happened in 2016 with these Russians like people are tired of that they want to move forward politically and we had a recent development among Republicans you have these um, Republicans whose mission it is to defeat Trump. Prominent uh, uh, Republicans um, 
Wilson, who wrote the book um, Everything Trump Touches um, Dies, and and you have Conway, Kellyanne's husband. <laughs> That's bizarre. Yeah, and, and, and it's, <laughs> right. It's a couple of other former Republicans who have, are forming this coalition to defeat Trump. And the way they're going to do it is they're going to go into these um, areas where Trump is popular and they're going to talk about what he hasn't delivered. You know, they're going to go to the, the uh, Kentucky mm-hmm. uh, and talk to the miners and say, he promised you this. Or go into Michigan and said he was going to give you these ma- manufacturing jobs. They're going to attack him from that angle. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that we, uh, Democrats have to do the same thing. You know, it's one thing to talk about, yeah, we're going to give you all this stuff. But the other thing is you got to throw a little dirt in the game. That's, right. that's why he was after um, Ukraine. I, I, uh, I'm going to uh, put aside the notion of uh, throwing dirt in the game. And, Mike, i got to ask you this question. Uh, I don't think I've asked you this question. Miles deals with this question uh, every uh, Thursday when he comes here. Uh, and Carlos is going to get this question as well, Ramirez Rose, when he comes in uh, later today. And that is this. I've been thinking about this a lot. Uh, usually the Democrats nominate a centrist and then tell the lefties in their party, shut up and go along. And then they get mad at the lefties when they don't always go along. <laughs> All right. If Bernie is the nominee, it's going to be reverse. The Democratic Party will have uh, nominated a lefty. And the centrists of the party will be told, shut up and go along. Uh, I've been writing about this and thinking about this a lot based on things that like Hillary Clinton said in the Howard Stern show and that uh, your good friend Rahm Emanuel uh, says, you know, on ABC TV. They roll him out every time they can on national media. It's crazy. <laughs> just had your good friend the, the look yeah. in your face when I right. said that. Yeah, no, he's a contributor <laughs> right, to ABC. Make now. a chill yeah, yeah. yeah, sorry, Rob. Right. But I'm starting to think that the centrists won't. Oh, no, of course not. No. So they're going to not practice what they preach. <laughs> what do you think about that? I, I have never seen, you know, any kind of shocking case of hypocrisy in American <laughs> politics ever from Republicans. Never, I don't know what you're talking about, Ben. No, of course they're going to do that. You think Rahm Emanuel is going to be out on the stump for Bernie Sanders? That's not going to happen. I, I'm not even asking him to go on the stump. I'm just saying, just is he going to vote for him? <laughs> shut your mouth and vote for him. I didn't say go on the stump. No, it's true. Uh, no, I, I think you're totally right. I, I don't think we're going to see that. I think you're going to uh, You'll probably <laughs> even see some kind of, um, you know, some, maybe not Rom, but some, you know, uh, prominent voice of the center of the party even talk about forming a third party and, and running as, as uh, you know, whatever, the equivalent of the, the liberal Democrats in the UK, like the you know, single percentage uh, centrist party uh, that runs uh, uh, in addition to Labor and to the Tories. So, yeah, I think that uh, I don't I don't trust these people. I mean, there there is a real visceral hatred of Bernie Sanders and of the kind of politics that he and that I represent, that kind of robust left wing politics. The party has done everything that it can over the last three, four decades to destroy it. So, of course, they're not going to be on board for that. When I was at Indiana University back in the late 60s, when the black power movement was just jumping off, the black nationalists would say of the white liberals, the left, that um, they're here now, but they can be white whenever they want to, and they, and they will. Mm-hmm. So there's this 
distrust among many black people, not all, but many, about white liberals because they think that, you know, sure, they have these progressive ideas, but it's mainly for white people. If, if you look at the women's liberation movement, it's the same. So what the Democrats, I maintain, that what the Democrats have to do if they want to win is come up with a direct conversation to their most loyal block, mm -hmm. which is black women in particular and black people in general. And so if you don't have that, you know, all this other pie in the sky stuff, it's not going to get you there. It just won't. All right. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a break. We'll come back. We'll uh, follow up on what Monroe said and go through some of the particulars uh, in the race. Uh, and uh, I know that uh, Micah and Monroe have some interesting things to say about Mayor Pete. So we'll be right back after this. The Ben Jarofsky Show is supported by Northwestern University's part-time master's program in literature and liberal studies. Students learn from dynamic and diverse faculty as they build advanced skills for critical analysis, writing, and research. Evening classes are held on Northwestern's Evanston and Chicago campuses. The spring quarter application deadline is January 15th. Learn more at sps.northwestern.edu slash masters. It's Chicagoland's Adult Entertainment Playground. It's the world-famous Admiral Theater, 3940 West Lawrence Avenue. The Admiral is homegrown from Chicago, and it's the most conveniently located club in all of the city. 15 minutes from the O'Hare Airport in downtown Chicago Loop. Voted Chicago's best strip club, the Admiral has showgirls galore and a variety of adult entertainment shows. The world-famous Admiral Theater, open every day from 7 p.m. to 6 a.m., 3940 West Lawrence Avenue. For events, showtime, and other information, visit AdmiralX.com. Must be 18 years of age or older to enter. Hey everybody, what you're about to hear are the piano stylings of Jeff Manuel. Man, listen to Jeff go. Jeff Manuel has been playing piano around Chicago for years. He's played for conventions, for celebrities, played in basement bars with blues bands. He's played at prestigious social clubs, fine restaurants, and in the intimacy of private homes. Book Jeff Manuel at jeffemanuelpianist.com. Don't worry, I'll spell his name at the end of this commercial. You know what Chicago Magazine said? They said that Jeff Manuel is, quote, as comfortable with Chopin as he is with Cole Porter. He's excellent, and his performance is joyous. He offers an elegant stream of compositions and interpretations that entertains the mind but won't hurt the ears. To hear more of Jeff Manuel's work and to book Jeff for your next event, go to jeffmanuelpianist.com. I'm going to spell it out for you, people. J-E-F-F. M as in Mary, A, N as in Nancy, U-E-L-P-I-A-N-I-S-T dot com. Take it away, Jeff Manuel. The biggest Jeff Manuel fan on the planet. Welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show, live from the Chicago Sun-Times. Yes, it's uh, M-Day and the Ben Jarofsky Show. Micah and Monroe in the studio. We're debating all the issues of the day, uh, impeachment, et cetera, and so forth. This and I just want to remind everybody, before we go any further, that uh, 
Carlos Ramirez Rosa, 35th Ward Alderman. He's going to be coming in for a bonus interview. And what we're doing, if you're listening on the live stream chat, we're going to live stream it. It's at 4 p.m., so we're going to end the show at about 3.30. Uh, and then after that, come back at 4 o'clock and then uh, check out the interview with Carlos Rosa. If you miss it, don't worry. You'll be able to download it by Monday at both Chicago Reader and Chicago Sun-Times websites and wherever else you download your favorite podcasts. Yeah, we'll have a lot of good bonuses over the weekend. Uh, this weekend, some good bonus. I can't remember who they are at, at the moment. Once again, memory fade. Uh, that short-term memory always is the, the killer. All right, uh, Micah, Monroe was making an excellent point uh, before we went to break uh, that if the Democrats want to win, uh, they must um, do a great job of giving uh, black voters uh, a reason to come, uh, out, and to come out and vote. Uh, and uh, other than just, well, we're not Trump. Although... I, that's going to help. Don't oh, doubt no, about there it. There is yeah. some Trump hate. Yeah, yeah, right. That's there putting it mildly. Yeah, right. Uh, exactly. And uh, so uh, what's your thoughts on that? No, I agree. That's that's the case that, that I've been making. And I think that is what the kind of politics that he's putting forward represent. They represent, and not just for black voters, but for Latino voters, for the entire working class of the United States, that it, there's actual... Uh, there's, there's, there's meat, you know, what's the, almost said dope on the table. There's stuff on the table. There's, yeah. you know, there's actual, uh, policies that are being pr- proposed that would materially change people's lives and, uh, voters of color in particular, uh, whether it's Medicare for all or, or student debt forgiveness or, uh, a significant change in immigration policy in the U S all of the stuff that Bernie is putting out there. And so I, I agree. That's the kind of, it, it can't be, um, a pure politics of symbolism and of I am not Trump and and of of you know but what Biden argues for, which is a kind of return to normalcy of the past. You know, you, you don't like this guy Trump, just vote like me and I'll make it all go away. I don't think that's going to be enough. I'm I'm honestly worried about what a a Biden versus Trump matchup would look like. I'm I'm not confident. Biden might be able to beat him, but I'm not as confident in that as someone like Bernie running and 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 winning and. Be, the, the, the difference between the two of them couldn't be clearer in the, in the election where Bernie is saying, I'm going to do these things that would tangibly affect your life and Trump just sort of doing name calling. So uh, as well as, you know, racist, xenophobic appeals and all of that. So, yeah, I think that 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 tangible agenda is what's needed to mobilize black voters, mobilize Latinos, mobilize the, the working class vote that would carry a, a Democrat like Bernie, some Democratic candidate like Bernie, to the presidency. All right, now I'm going to uh, deal with uh, Joe Biden for a moment before we get to uh, Bernie versus Pete. Uh, this uh, interesting little theme I got in my mind, but uh, the reason I say I do not believe uh, Joe Biden's bizarre performances in the debates, the weird things that come out of his mouth, uh, will hurt him. Is and uh, Mike, I know you're going to accuse me of being cynical and uh, jaded, which is what most people accuse me of. When I say the things like I'm about to say is that I've never seen evidence in my life as a political journalist in the city of Chicago that an inability to speak a straight sentence, uh, the inability to make make a coherent point has hurt a politician. Look who's president. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Not only look who's president, but Elizabeth Warren would be at the top of the pack. If if eloquence, eloquence. was the, the, the main thing, yes, absolutely, yeah, and and uh, Mayor Richard M. Daly 
could not complete a sentence he entered. He his would father enter too, a, right? his yeah. father too. They enter a sentence in one place and end up somewhere else. And <laughs> yeah. the people of the city of Chicago said, that's our mayor. Yeah. And they yeah. voted for him. Right. And they'd remember, still be voting for him. Remember when Daddy Daly's press secretary said, don't print what he said, print what he meant. Yeah. So <laughs> with, with the, over Thanksgiving, I had a great time with some of my millennial friends. And we were listening to Joe Biden uh, in from one of the debates. This is what we do for fun in the Ben Jarofsky house, Micah. We were listening to Joe Biden. We were sitting by a fire. It was a great night. And Ian, if you're out there listening, God bless you. And we were listening to Joe Biden from a debate. It was a debate where he started talking. He was trying to say it was important to talk to your kids. Oh, my God. And That's painful. To yeah, to. it's painful. But I'm like, you know, Ian, Americans can understand what he's kind of saying. And I think there's... Part, a lot of people in this country go, you know, I'm not the greatest speaker in the world, right, but right, right. he speaks from his heart. That's like George Bush. Like he was a guy who you'd want to have a beer with, right? That's what people say. Baby Bush. Bush. Yeah, W. Bush. Yeah. yeah. And because uh, Daddy Bush could complete a sentence. Right. Baby Bush couldn't complete a sentence. So and then the other baby Bush lost because he could complete a sentence. <laughs> Jeb Bush. So the Bush family right there proves my point. The Bush Baby Bush, who couldn't complete a sentence, didn't win. And the baby Bush, who couldn't complete a sentence, uh, won. And so, senior, who could, wouldn't, couldn't, he could complete a sentence, couldn't win re-election. Yeah, couldn't win re-election. <laughs> so it just proves my point. Read my lips. Read my yeah, lips. Yeah. No new taxes. <laughs> so I, I'm saying that, uh, yeah, uh, confusion, uh, perhaps senility, is not a deterrence. In politics, yeah, that's a fair point. I I would not advocate for uh, going all in on a campaign against Biden to uh, within the Democratic primary by saying that he can't complete a sentence. Although uh, it is a little disturbing how he he does his his mind does seem to be failing him. I think that the more substantive thing that should be brought up is his policy record, which is one that is no different from the rest of the, the centrist neoliberal Democrats when it comes to war on Iraq. He, he was the main Democratic player who was the kind of uh, Bush go-to man for selling the Iraq war to the Democratic Party. Uh, you know, go down the bankruptcy bill, I mean, uh, all of it. He's he Mass incarceration, he's not uh, a progressive candidate. I think if we're talking about the substance of his, his legacy, uh, Biden does not come out looking too hot. Yeah, you know, it just occurred to me, we can't have this conversation realistically and not mention Bloomberg. Mm. Because he's like, he's got he got more money than God. Yes. And he's rising in the polls already. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he may. See, I never believed uh, that Pete Buttigieg, I, I could be wrong. It's, I was just about to say that. Some people say judge. Judge, yeah. Well, some people who know. I call him Mayor Pete. Uh, Dennis is not here and he stepped out, but he always corrects me on uh, Buttigieg's name. Oh, here he comes. How do you how do you pronounce Mayor Pete's last name, D? Boot Edge Edge. Boot Edge. Okay. okay. Um, <laughs> I've never believed that he was going to be uh, the candidate. I I, uh, I never thought so. Boot Edge Edge. His voters are uh, Bloomberg voters. And uh, Bloomberg does have a ton of money, and Bloomberg will saturate the airwaves. Is saturated. Is saturated. I know. I I told Monroe. I finally I saw a Bloomberg ad. Well, and we're in we're in a state where 
the last two gubernatorial elections have basically been bought by billionaires, right? I mean, yes, in, you very know, good point. Yeah. Both Republican and Democrat yes. billionaires who bought their way to the governor's mansion. Right. So I, uh, I think Bloomberg is a. Uh, I don't dismiss uh, any man with that kind of m amount of money and the willingness yeah. uh, to spend the money. I, that said, I don't think his anything in his background suggests that he could defeat Trump. I no. just don't see it coming at all. Oh, yeah. No, he could defeat Trump. You think he could, he defeat, could Trump? defeat Trump? He could defeat Trump. Why do you but say but that? See, but I, I'm of the school that... Anybody can yeah, defeat Yeah, right. Trump. Put me in the race and yeah. I will defeat yeah. Trump. <laughs> Are you announcing your candidacy <laughs> right here, Monroe? <laughs> That's a stretch. Uh, uh, why do you, why, why do you, uh, I'm smarter than he yeah. is. I'm younger than he is. I'm more <laughs> You are younger than Donald right. Trump. That's one by, of the few. By, by, by this much. <laughs> But I, I uh, Buttigieg is an interesting character here because I point this out all the time. Uh, his he's running as his peel is that he's young, he's fresh, he's new, and I, I don't know any millennials that are for him. Uh, and the only people I know are former baby boomers. The last I heard, he was getting two percent of millennial support yeah. in the election. But boomers love him. Yeah. Oh, he's such a nice young man. Right. Uh, he's the grandson they've always wanted. Yeah, it's, it's an Eddie Haskell theory, which is yeah. that he's really nice to older people. Right. You know, Let me take your bag. <laughs> oh, you're such a nice lady, Mrs. Cleaver. Uh, so you're not a you're not attracted to uh, Mayor Pete, huh, uh, Michael? No, I think that uh, Buttigieg. Well, first of all, he's clear. I'm just. I, I don't like to make political decisions on this kind of basis. But but the guy does seem like he was grown in a lab to run for president. Every decision he's made over his entire lifetime has been for the purpose of running for president. And I personally do not trust people like that. The sort of teacher's pet type, the kind who's running for every uh, student body office, who's trying to win every award, who's going to Harvard. I just don't trust it. I just and, and I think there's a lot of millennials. I mean, you know, that's just sort of like a personal thing. But it also is a substantive thing because like we're a generation who have been screwed every step of the way when it comes to being overloaded with student debt, uh, dealing with housing prices that are higher than ever, stagnant wages, all of it. And uh, Mayor Pete is the sort of like the, the cream of the crop who sort of, uh, while the rest of us were suffering with all of those problems, has gone off and been a McKinsey uh, consultant and uh, gone to fancy schools and, and is that sort of a teacher's pet, uh, valedictorian, top of the class kind of guy. Uh, and, he's, and he's saying to the rest of us, you say that you want these ch changes in policy, you want student loan forgiveness and all the rest of it. No, I'm not giving that to you. You should have worked hard like me. You should have gone to Harvard. You should have gotten a fancy consultant job. And, and, and Rhodes Scholar. Yeah, Rhodes Scholar. You should have done all these things. And then you could, you like me, could have been on top and you wouldn't be saddled by all this student debt and every, all the rest of the problems you have. And we're just like, F you. <laughs> like, we're, yeah. there are, we're, there's millions of us in this generation who are suffering, and we're, we're not. And, and Pete is telling us to, that it's like uh, implicitly telling us it's your fault, and I'm not going to do anything to change there, any of that. Yeah, there was a, a, a report that came out last week. Um, Cory Booker is also a Rhodes Scholar. And they looked at how many times it had been mentioned that Mayor Pete was a Rhodes Scholar, and it was something like 500. And for Cory Booker, it was something like 125. Or Why? Something like. what, what do you think? It's what do you think is at play there? Uh, you have a, you've heard the theory that um, the white man's ice is colder than the black man's ice. I think it applies for that. Again, it's like Cory Booker 
the road scholar is not nearly as good as, as a, a as good as, as mayor a, pete as a mayor pete wow. road scholar well it's also true though that mayor pete's whole thing is like i'm smart look at me i'm smart i i speak seven languages oh. cory booker is th thankfully in my opinion not running that same kind of campaign where he's well, like except in the i think it was the first debate or the second debate um mayor pete launched off into spanish in one of his ads. Yeah, I saw that. And, it was first debate. And, yeah. and Corey got pissed off because he's already <laughs> he's already to shoot off his Spanish. So I was like, well, Corey, Corey Booker, uh, he he put all his money in that uh, charter school uh, gamble, and he's it, he's feeling the same uh, pain on that issue that uh, Mayor Rom felt. Uh, that was a, a losing issue for Democrats to advance the argument that somehow or other it was in the best interest of poor kids to have teachers who are underpaid be their teachers and <laughs> what a dumb argument that was and it's just a well, completely backfired on democrats and it's a kind of mirror image of kamala harris going all in on being a prosecutor who's tough on crime because she thinks that that's what is going to propel her career, political career forward and then the political winds change and say that actually this has been really destructive to uh to black people and to all kinds of uh, poor people around the country and and now she's you know she has to can't she really uh, quits her presidency campaign because uh, people are not buying All that. right, so, uh, so fair enough, then uh, at least ideological consistency finally uh, seems to be a premium in the Democratic primary. So uh, let me ask you this, Micah, you're, uh, why aren't you uh, a Warren bro? Why aren't you for Elizabeth Warren? She's been pretty ideologically consistent over the last 20 years or so. Yeah, right when she stopped being a Republican. Yeah, she's been consistent. Yeah. I mean, uh, to me, you know, I'm not, I'm not anti-Warren by any stretch of the imagination. I think I said on the show once that she was the first political donation I ever gave. I gave her 20 bucks to one of her uh, Senate campaigns after I saw a really inspiring ad when I was like 22, did, did, 21 you, years old. Did you say old, that when you were on the show with Brandon Johnson? I can't remember. I think I did. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, to, I mean, the, the bigger issue to me is that Bernie Sanders is pushing for a, a vision of how political change in this country will happen that is not what you get from Warren. With Warren, you get... I am kind of like Pete Buttigieg. I'm smart. I'm capable. Elect me. I'll take care of all of the stuff for you. Bernie Sanders says, it's not me. It's us. We need a mass movement in this country to be able to overcome the extremely powerful forces that exist out mm -hmm. there, you know, the medical insurance companies and the pharmaceuticals and the student loan companies and all of that. And he, he's using his campaign. This is what my book is about, is that he's using his campaign not just to put forward progressive ideas, but to try to build that movement at the grassroots level to achieve those things and to in my reading of american and world history is that that is how change happens it's not through a, a benevolent and smart and principled leader being elected although that's that's important too but that that can't be the only thing you need that broader movement piece to make social change happen monroe i know you've been uh i think you were got a favoring <laughs> elizabeth warren were you not yeah, uh, yeah. correct yeah. yeah i was was as in past tense or i uh, is it well, ongoing you know, well my position has been that everybody who's running on the Democratic side, except for Tulsi, I can vote for. So you know, I mean, I'm not, I'm, I'm not anti anybody. Well, and I can't remember what's well, your problem I, I with Tulsi. I thought she was going to win, huh? What's your problem? I, 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 I think Tulsi is um, sounds like a Chicago Democrat. <laughs> I mean, she, I mean, her position, she, she. 
See, she doesn't sound like a Democrat. Mm. She sounds like a, a Republican light. Mm. Well, I... Uh, you know, she, she's anti... Um, she's she's pro-Russian. She's saying a lot of things that Trump and the Russians are saying. She mm-hmm. just... I, 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 I'm not, not going to bring revive the Tulsi debate. We've had this on the show many times. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Ramana Hussein, Samina Mustafa, we've talked a lot about uh, Tulsi Gabbard in the show, and I don't even think she's going to be at the next debate. She right. said she would boycott right. it. Well, that's uh, why I haven't paid would. that much attention to her, because I don't think she's going to be a, a contender. I, I want to do a little shameless uh, promotion here. We were talking a, a Warren versus uh uh, Bernie Sanders at the hideout the first February, uh, the first Tuesday of February. We'll be promoting this for the next month. Uh, we will have a debate. They've uh, both parties have agreed. Uh, Carlos Ramirez Rosa will be representing Bernie Sanders, and Brandon Johnson will be representing uh, Elizabeth Warren. That's going to be one heck of a fun debate. Uh, and uh, you got some good talkers for that one. Yeah, man. that's going to be a really good. And, and so Carlos is already trash talking, uh, <laughs> and he'll be on the show for you. I mean, I'm sure he'll be trash. And Brandon's coming on the show in a couple days. I'm sure he'll be trash talking as well. Ben, uh, I, I'd asked you before the before the show if you had uh, read the the Pete Buttigieg essay from uh, high school praising. Talk Sanders. about that. Yeah, <laughs> that he wrote this essay. Uh, well, you talk about this essay. It's really bizarre. Well. It, Oh, I have a theory about how it's actually not that bizarre. But just for to begin with, he wrote this essay in the year 2000 for uh, again for some campaign for some competition at the John F. Kennedy Library high school senior competition uh, and essay writing contest, and he won it. And it was with this essay that was praising Bernie Sanders. It's the whole thing is about Bernie and his political consistency and what he's fought for over the years. And it makes for very funny reading right now. And, you know, I'm an editor of a socialist magazine and reading his essay, I uh, thought, you know, there's not really much in here that I disagree with. So we ran it under his byline uh, in my, my magazine uh, and, um, you know, it got a lot of attention. People had, had heard about it months ago, but uh, I just I just had the idea recently. And so uh, Wall Street Journal wrote about how we uh, how we picked this old essay up. But I wrote something for The Intercept about the essay and how when you re- read it, you know, just at first glance, you're like, oh, isn't it funny that this guy who's now running for office, uh, who's running for the presidency against Bernie Sanders, wrote this essay praising Bernie and seems to represent a, the polar opposite view of doing democratic politics that Bernie Sanders represents. But in reading it closely, you come to realize that he says in passing, Buttigieg says in passing of Bernie, yes, he's got these substantive socialist beliefs and, you know, that not that good? But the, the bulk of the essay is about Bernie sticking to his guns uh, ideologically over time, even when it was very unpopular to call yourself a socialist. And that's what he's mostly praising Bernie for. And it occurred to me that of course, he, he he admired that as a as a high school senior, and he's, he probably admires it now because he is now playing that role. Pete is now playing that role as defending, you know, saying to millennials like me, "No, you don't get student loan forgiveness. You don't get all these things you you want." He's sticking by his unpopular political principles, but the unpopular political principles are now this kind of centrist democratic politics rather than socialism. It's socialism that's on the rise in the United States right now. So you can sort of see in a, in a kind of perverse way what he admired about Bernie was his willingness to tell people uh, what they didn't want to hear. Yeah. And now Pete is playing that role on the campaign trail. Uh, that is interesting little spin. I hadn't thought of that. We should post that uh, the 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 uh, Jacobin uh, uh, booted 
Heritage Essay on our Facebook page because it is it is interesting. Let's put it that way. All right, we're uh, going to close down this discussion uh, for today, and uh, we're going to go back on the live stream at four. Right, D. Uh, is that Everybody correct? join us. Carlos Ramirez Rosa will be joining us. 35th Ward Alderman. We're going to be talking all things. Uh, well, probably the city council meeting yeah. just happened today. Uh, we're going to be live streaming at 4 o'clock. We're going to jump off now. Make sure to join us at 4, everybody. All right. Very good. I want to thank you, Micah, very much for uh, stopping by. One more time. Promote your book. Coming out in April from Verso Books. Uh, I'm the author along with Megan Day. It's called Bigger Than Bernie. How we go from the Sanders campaign to democratic socialism. All right, very good. And uh, sounds good. Sounds good. And Look forward uh, to the Monroe Review. <laughs> <laughs> we will be discussing. Yeah, we'll bring you guys back together. I'll write an accolade for you. Uh, accolade for you. Oh, yes. Appreciate that. <laughs> I want to uh, thank. Before Monroe, we go, Monroe, just one more time. Can you say Putin? Putin. <laughs> I don't know why. I just love it. But yeah, I do. the live stream loves it, too. And uh, Monroe has been uh, steadily predicting this day. So let's just give him a shout out. Since March, she said the man would be impeached. Uh, and it is happening. And we'll be following this baby right. for as long as it goes. And right. my hunch, it's going to go a long way. Yeah, okay? me, me too. I, I, I think Mitch is going to try to not allow witnesses, but... I think some of the Republican senators are not going to go along with that because they're up for a re-election and they can't make it look like a kangaroo court or they don't have a chance at yeah. all of winning. Yeah. So they're going to have to say, let the witnesses in. And then it'll be an interesting thing. Like, will it get delayed because uh, they're, they're, uh, Trump's uh, ordering witnesses not to testify? And so it gets goes for a, it goes before a judge and then there's appeals. And Monroe, I'm telling you, this thing will have a life of and its own. And other things. Well, you have other two other factors. Plus, there's all sorts of other dirt and crazy things Trump has been doing it's, it's that ongoing. can pop up at any time. And plus, he's going to get nuttier by the day. Yeah. Uh, and by the way, I have to say a, a couple more promotions. Uh, David Ferris will be on the show on Friday. He's a Roosevelt Science, uh, excuse me, Roosevelt University political scientist who's always been advocating that Democrats should be more like the Republicans uh, and, and how they approach politics. It's, uh, and he is a forceful believer in dragging the impeachment proceedings on as long as they can. And David, if you're listening out there, we've had so many guests on the show who disagree with you, I'm going to have all their rebuttals. I can't wait to hear you. Just throw them at you, hear what you have to say about them. Uh, and we'll be doing debate analysis. If there is a debate, I, I don't. is there going to be a yeah. debate? Yeah. They, yeah. Did they cut the deal? Yeah. Yeah. They solved yeah, the labor problem? Yeah. Yeah. The debate will be Thursday, uh, and uh, Latisa Wallace and Samina Mustafa will be in studio uh, to break it down and analyze it like they do all the time. So we're following this stuff, national and local, on the Ben Jarofsky Show. And we're bringing it all to you. All right, everybody. Uh, I want to thank Micah. I want to thank Monroe. I want to thank Miles. A lot of M's today in the Ben Jarofsky Show. And, of course, the man, the myth. A couple more M's from Alton, Illinois. Back home on Alton, as Micah can tell you, they call him White Lightning. Give yourself a raise. Take Take it out of petty cash. Dr. D. No one calls me either of those things. I'm Dennis. Never going to get a job after this. Oh, the doctor. Oh, white lightning. See you tomorrow, everybody. Hey, and remember, you can download previous Ben Jarofsky shows and Benny J. Bonus interviews at both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites and wherever else. 
you download your favorite podcast. Downloaders, we live stream this program. It's true. Tuesdays through Fridays, 1 until 3 p.m. Central Time at both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites and the Chicago Sun-Times YouTube channel. Join us. Join the live stream chat. It's a great time. People make fun of Ben. It's a blast. And also, like we said, uh, we're going to be live streaming our interview with Carlos Ramirez Rosa, the 35th Ward Alderman. He's going to be talking all things city politics. We just had a city council meeting. He's going to be giving us a recap on that. Going to be talking about legal referee, uh, recreational marijuana in Chicago and the delay on that. All kinds of stuff. Make sure you tune into that. And if you download the show, go look for this Carlos Ramirez Rosa interview on YouTube. We will see everybody tomorrow.